Hello, I am giving a trigger warning for this episode. In this episode, my guests and I talk about two movies, uh, the second of which is Baby Driver. Kevin Spacey is an actor in Baby Driver, and he has been accused credibly of sexual assault. And my guests and I discuss that within the context of the film Baby Driver. If that is not something that you want to listen to, please stop listening after I give my number rating for Princess Mononoke. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Arista's Movie Adventure. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Jeff, to talk about two movies. Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, doing, doing well. A uh, little, little tired. Um, just moved into a new apartment and everything else. We're just getting it all together still, um, but it's coming along, and I'm doing really great. Nice. I, I know exactly how that feels, so... I think I can relate pretty heavily. <laughs> so the two movies that we're going to talk about is uh, Princess Mononoke, which you had suggested, and then the movie Baby Driver, which I had suggested. So Princess Mononoke, uh, we're going to start with that first. So if you want, can you give a little introduction, kind of what is, uh, what is this movie about? So um, the first thing is, is that I'm sure that people have seen some of uh, Studio Ghibli's movies or Hayao Hayo Miyazaki's movies um, probably spirited away at any of them that they've seen. Um, he has a big wealth of movies from this. I personally actually think that Princess Mononoke is his best, um, but I understand the argument for his other movies. Pretty much the premise of the movie is it's about this prince from a um, village, right, and a group of individuals that are more like hunter-gatherers that are actually based actually on a real um, group of people in Japan. Um, and it is about Ashitaka, who is the main character. He, a evil boar god named Nago, who is corrupted by this bullet, um, kind of encroaches on his village. Um, he, you know, he, Ashitaka gets cursed. And he's pretty much outcast and banished to seek a cure for this curse. He runs across a bunch of like other individuals through all of war-torn Japan. He kind of comes across this place called Iron Town. Um, and he meets this individual called Lady Aboshi. He meets this other person called San. Um, and it's pretty much, I don't really, it, there's, it's so in-depth with the movie in general that I feel like it's really hard to just give like a succinct storyline to it. Um, but it has a lot of themes of like environmentalism and uh, like humans in uh, nature and kind of being in balance. Um, and the, one of my biggest things that I actually really enjoy about the movie is that there's really no antagonist. Oh, you're stealing my thunder here. That was one of my notes. <laughs> there's a lot of morally gray and ambiguous kind of characters within it, which we can go into in more detail about yeah. it, but San is a wolf princess um, that was raised by wolves in this forest. Lady Aboshi is the um, the head of this place called Iron Town, which is trying to mine the, the hills that the forest resides on to actually get more iron and help her people. And it's about this constant struggle between nature and humanity and them kind of butting heads. Um, it has this really cool actual like, forest spirit in it too as well, which Lady Aboshi's hunting, and these like traveling shogun monks too as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the general premise of the movie. Um, there's a lot more to it and a lot more in depth um, that I feel like I could go on for quite a while about. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the general premise of the movie, and it's uh, about Ashitaka. You're viewing it through pretty much Ashitaka's lens who is this character that is kind of completed his character arc and he's kind of like, um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say like morally right in this senses, but he's, there's almost like no, I don't want to say there's, no, I guess there's like no flaws and stuff to him in a lot of ways. And people say that he's boring sometimes, but I think that it kind of helps in viewing the um the other characters through his eyes and you can yeah. kind of see the conflicts between the two of them lady aboshi iron town and the uh, like san and the forest oh yeah so 
uh, Akitasha, um, Ashitaka, excuse me. Ashitaka yeah. is really more Boy Scoutish, and I don't mean that yes. negatively. He's got like a, uh, you know, a sense of morals that he sticks with. And I, one of my notes I wrote down is actually that I like the dynamic between Ashitaka and San. Mm. You mentioned that San is a wolf princess, but she's like, like raised, by, raised by wolves. So she's definitely more feral and brutal. Uh, so it's a, a great, you know, pairing and foil to Ashitaka, who's, you know, um, he doesn't like killing. Or, or, and he's very, like, morally just in um, not like a superior kind of way, just like in how he presents himself. And so that's one thing I liked about this film is the the, the dynamic between Ashitaka and San. So that's a good uh, jumping off point too. Is uh, is what you mentioned too? The theme earlier is uh, nature uh, versus humanity. I, I put down nature versus industrialization because I think that's um, you know obvious. It's apparent. They're yes. strip mining and cl- forests are clear cutting the forest. The people of Iron Town are clear cutting the forest and. Uh, producing like guns and stuff to protect Iron Town. Uh, so, versus San, who is uh, you know the wolf princess trying to protect nature, and there's the forest god uh, who heals but also destroys, uh, which yeah. is interesting too. That's uh, there is a lot to unpack and a very I, I I really enjoyed this film and I know you did too because you said it's one of your favorites. Um, yeah, this is good. This is a delight. Uh, this is a really good movie to watch. Um, I would, spoilers to my thoughts, but I think everybody should watch this film. It's such a good movie. Um, yeah, and I would say honestly, I like I said, I think it's it's probably my favorite Miyazaki movie. Um, I understand the arguments for Spirited Away. Spirited Away was a great film. Um, yeah. I think everybody should watch um, Princess Mononoke. I will say you're right. So it's really about um, the environment and nature versus industrialization. Um, one of the things that I like about Princess Mononoke more than some of his previous works and more of like kind of the Disneyification of some of these movies, I don't know if that's actually a word or not, um, but it's, they kind of have it as like this clear cut that nature is very pure. Nature is, nature is amazing all the time. It's not brutal. There's not a lot of like in that kind of stuff. And humans are the ones that are destroying everything. They're the horrible people that are doing it. But I kind of like, and even in Miyazaki's earlier work in a movie called Nausicaa, um, Mm -hmm. he tries to get kind of to the point where there is this balance that needs to be struck, but he doesn't hit it as well as he does in Princess Mononoke, where in, in this movie, you have obviously like San and the, the, um, uh, and like Mako, who's the wolf goddess in this movie. Um, and then you have the boars too as well. And then there's like the, there's like the monkeys too. And they are very good hearted in nature in a lot of ways, but they're like, they're, there's a lot of brutality. I mean, there's a lot of violence actually in this movie, um, yeah. which I will say, which I think fits in certain places. I mean, Ashitaka um, shoots off a man's arms <laughs> with a bow and arrow. Exactly. And he decapitates somebody with a bow and arrow too as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, which is because of his, like, the, the curse that gives him kind of this demonic strength. And that's the reason why. But yeah. I like, I will say, that one of the big things that I like um, is, is that there is this son and Lady Eboshi both have their faults, and one representing humans and industrialization, and the other representing um, nature in that sense. And it's about that clash between the two of them. Um, so that's that's the really big thing that I actually like, honestly. Uh, that's one of the big things that I actually really like about the movie. Um, yeah. So uh, you we men- we mentioned this too, but who is the bad guy in this film? I guess is is who's the villain? So uh, on one hand, you have San, who is you know fighting to protect nature, but she's very like guerrilla warfare, almost you know eco terrorist levels, and then you have Lady Eboshi, who she's just looking out to protect the people of Irontown. I mean, she liberates sex workers and gives them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, jobs in a factory. She, you know, gives the, there's lepers who are the ones who make the guns and stuff. So instead of being ostracized and left to die, the lepers are actually, you know, given a purpose. So, and she's calm and, and kind of caring. Uh, one, one of the notes uh, I, I read somewhere that uh, you can, 
kind of tell because she keeps a garden in Iron Town, and like that's supposed to represent how she does actually care for nature and wanting to preserve it. But uh, she, you know, wants to preserve people in Iron Town and kind of industrialize a bit. So Lady Ibofi is not a traditional villain. You know, she is framed that way because she's hunting the um, forest god, forest spirit. So, you know, obviously we look at her like that, but it's not like her motivations are to just kill the forest spirit. She's using it to, you know, protect and recognize. What does she want to give the head to the emperor? Uh, the forest spirit's head, which grants immortality. She wants to give that to the emperor so he will recognize Iron Town, right? Is that I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's. I, she also wants it to as well, um, and she understands that there's. I think there's a lot when it comes to the lepers actually in the village too, and her wanting to care for them. Um, I think that also a part of it is is that I think that with Lady Eboshi, one of her biggest like flaws as a character is um, she's so she's so determined to help out Iron Town that I don't think. Pardon the the. The saying, but she doesn't see the the forest for the trees themselves. Um, and I think that like the Shogun monks and the Emperor actually uh, take advantage of that a little bit because especially oh, yeah. in, the, in the movie, um, uh, what happens is is that eventually they do actually like blast the head off this forest spirit, um, and it pretty much goes into this other mode, I guess you could say. It's like the Nightwalker is what they call it. And that's like the symbolization of death, pretty much. And it spreads out across the land. And it actually starts to threaten Irontown itself. Um, so, yeah, I think that that might be one of her, the flaws that she has um, in that regard. But I, I want to I point out that that scene, uh, when I, I first saw this movie when I was 12, that hmm. scene unsettled the shit out of me. Uh, and when the forest spirit is kind of walking, I think he's walking up to San, and then yeah. a bullet goes through its head, and its eyes just kind of die. That was that one was a that's a, a unsettling scene. Um, it, so. it is a tough movie, I think, to actually watch. As a, uh, it's it's not really mark. It shouldn't be marketed as a kids movie, to be honest. Well, yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> not. Like, Do you, but I, I don't know if you remember this uh, or whatever, but uh, back in two thousand six. Tsunami did a, a month of Miyazaki special, mm. and that's where I first saw this was you know on Cartoon Network when I was twelve, uh, and that was my that was like my first and only experience with it until it just came out on HBO Max. So um, I'm glad I revisited it for sure. But, yeah, it's it's it, I mean like I said it's great. I mean I one of the things that I actually have down here too as well. And I kind of want your opinion on this um, is. Miyazaki's portrayal of female characters, I think, is really, especially for when this movie came out in 1997, I think it was really ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, because he he doesn't just interject love stories between males and females. That's the yeah. first thing, which is, I think, really important. Like, women actually are... You see this in his other work, right? You see it in Spirit Away, you see it in Nausicaa, you see it in like The Wind Rises, which is his newest one. I mean, throughout his work in general, there's not just love stories between males and females because they're males and females, yes. right? Or women and men. And the other thing is, is the women in these movies are fucking badass. They yeah. can take care of themselves and they kick ass. You see it with San. One of my favorite scenes in the movie itself is when she finally gets an Iron Town. Right, she attacks Iron Town, and the animation's so fluid, and she's like running across um, these buildings, right, and she's like taking down these armed guards with just a knife, and then she finally stands off against Lady Eboshi, and it's like this really great fight scene between the two of them, um, and it's you know the, he depicts female, he depicts women as extremely strong and capable characters. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know if there was any like expressed love interest between San and Ashitaka. I mean, they could have easily done it as like, and it would have been bad. I agree that I think that the, um, what's the movie castle in the sky. There was mm -hmm. like an actual romance plot, but that was like earned. It felt good. Right. Whereas, um, other films can just make it for the sake of having, Oh, well there's a male character and a female character. So clearly they have to, you know, be in love. Uh, so 
Now, for this film with Ashitaka and San, uh, it's definitely, like I said, they're good foils for each, for each other. Mm. And there was no forced romance. And San is a badass. I actually wrote down that I think that their character archetypes are reversed for their gender. Uh, this movie came out in 1997. So within the context of 1997, like Ashitaka is the more caring, you know, he, he cares about the, some of um, Lady Ibochi's men that are wounded. So he carries them back to Irontown. He's more, uh, I want to give like stereotypically for 1997, that's something that not a male character would do. Uh, whereas also San is more brutal and violent and stereotypically a female character would not be written that way. So do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, I think I get what you're saying is that they, they actually kind of flipped um, for that time period and stuff. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, what you would think of how they would be written is flipped. Yeah, the, the expected gender roles is a little turned on its head in this film is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to highlight the uh, voice acting. So I watched the American English dubbed version. Um, I think the voice acting is fantastic. It is really good. Uh, I mean, the, I think that the standout is actually the blind uh, boar God uh, played voiced by Keith David. Fantastic. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that there's I think what Billy Crudup is in it. I think actually, um, yeah, he's Ashitaka. Ashitaka, and then uh, Billy Bob Thornton is uh, is uh, uh, the monk Jiro. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I look at that and I'm like, ah, you know, like I really just I never think of Billy Bob Thornton as like a voice actor or anything along those lines. But he did oh, a yeah. really great. He did a really great job. I mean, you're right. I think that. Um, the, the dubbed version and the subbed version are both fantastic. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah. With so, it. And uh, then, yeah, I was going to say, the other thing, too, uh, is the art art style. I mean, Miyazaki films are gorgeous, but this is, in, in general, just also a beautiful film. Um, my favorite scene from an art standpoint is actually... Uh, one of the more, uh, I want to say, like disturbing scenes where the blind boar god is going to a frantic panic and bleeding everywhere and charging to, to, to get to the, the lake to find the forest god. And he's delirious and it's so well animated. <laughs> There's yeah. blood pouring out of him. He's turning into a demon and he's just panicking and it's coming across through visually very well. It's uh, fantastic. Yeah, and I think I think that too. The other thing, going off of that scene, what you're saying, um, the 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 sense of like impending dread and like emotion that they get through with the animation is phenomenal yes. in these movies, right? Like I think um, that, especially like the first fight where uh, Ashitaka is like actually like he's defending his village against Nago, who is this cursed war god because he was shot by Lady Eboshi. Right, the animation on how they actually portray all of that because he's like covered in all these like like worm like things that I think are like um, that represent like the hatred and the corruption and the the actual iron ore and the um, the uh, that material that's embedded in his body. It's a beautiful scene, and I think that you get a ton of the um, the emotion and just the uh, like that scene that you were mentioning. Um, it's kind of hard to watch at points. I feel oh, like. yeah. I feel like some of these movies, like it's it's kind of hard to watch because it's it's there's these little bits of uncom- like you're uncomfortable. Like it's not the cool kind of action movie of like oh look at this look at him like look at Ashitaka or San kind of um, you know like mess people up or whatnot. Like when he when when Ashitaka uh, like we mentioned earlier right where he. Um, is fighting against these samurai and he like cut, he shoots an arrow and it like pins these two guys' arms against the wall and his arms get ripped off, mm-hmm. right? He's like, you can see in the animation of how Miyazaki, how Studio Ghibli kind of actually drew all of this, of like the shock on his face about like, what is actually happening. And um, it's just really uncomfortable to watch, but I, it's, it's, I think it just adds to the film. Oh yeah, it's a brutal movie, uh, both in art style, and I don't mean this negatively, it, both in art style and 
uh, like tone, <laughs> and yeah. it's it's great. Um, I think it's, it comes across really well. It's so good. Um, I I think to one of the things that I actually have down. I think it's a really it's I don't know if it's an overlooked point of the movie, um, but there there is a lot I think that goes into this movie about the inevitability of death. Yeah. Um, especially from like Ashitaka, even from the very beginning. So like Ashitaka gets cursed, right, by this 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 boar that was corrupted, this boar god that was corrupted, and that curse is going to um, eventually kill him. It's going to corrupt him as an individual. It's going to corrupt the spirit. He's going to die eventually from it. So he seeks this cure. He's actually banished to. Um, from the village, like I mentioned earlier, but it's like this inevitability that death happens. And then you see it with um, uh, uh, the blind boar god, right, too, as well. And like you see it with the like the um, uh, the god of the forest, the forest god, too, that's able to grant death and grant kind of this peace to these creatures, too. But he's also able to grant life at the exact same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... I really liked the when they showed the forest god as he was stepping, as he was walking, like beautiful flowers and you know mm. grass would grow underneath his feet. But then also at the same time, he could take life away from like the the plants and trees growing around him. Like it's just such a uh, life and death uh, is the same sort of thing going on there uh, that I appreciated. I, I and I agree that the theme of inevitability of death. Because uh, that's a major driving point purpose for Ashitaka. So, fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Really, I mean, really great. Uh, I will, I will say, um, the one thing that I do want to also bring up is if anybody has not seen the movie or they've seen it and they kind of just listen to the soundtrack again, it's a phenomenal soundtrack to the movie. Yeah. Um, I know that we're going to get into this later too, because like obviously Baby Driver has a phenomenal soundtrack as well, right? It's so well done. It's done by a guy named Joe uh, Hashashi, um, uh, and uh, it's 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 phenomenal. Like the 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 actual like you you get these grand grand sweeping visuals of the forest and like forest spirits around and these gigantic kind of panoramic views. And it's just accompanied by this really, really, really well done, um, uh, like, um, like orchestral um, music to it. That's that fits perfectly. And like the actual like conflicts where the conflicts happen in the movie, the the orchestral music in it is like really, really dynamic and it's bold and it kind of goes along with it too as well. Oh yeah. I agree. Uh, that was one of my notes too. Is that the score is just perfect? It's, it's phenomenal. The score is phenomenal. <laughs> now, I think if anybody who is, um, you know, not an anime fan or just kind of dismisses anime, this is this and Spirited Away are both really good introduction films or films mm. that show uh, people who you know maybe wouldn't think give the think to give it a shot. You know, so. Uh, that's that's one of my my thoughts on Princess Mononoke is that it's a good movie to show people who maybe wouldn't seek it out, you know. I I I, I think you're right because I think that it's it's um, it was one of the first animes that broke into the Western scene. Yeah, and actually kind of got a lot of um, acclaim. Um, and like critical acclaim too as well like it wasn't even just a cult thing it was very critically acclaimed as a movie um and i think miyazaki movies have generally done that i think that princess mononoke is probably the first one out of them to do that like and you mentioned spirited away which spirited away i think is a great uh, oh it won uh, best animated feature at the academy awards <laughs> yeah like it's a phenomenal movie um so i think i would i would agree with you i think that just if you if you if you listen right or if you know anybody or whatnot that says they don't like anime, I would say showing this, and I mean that it's just like it's it's so poignant. I think to even like now, like it's held up beautifully um, between everything, um, 
And I think that it's kind of, like I mentioned this earlier, but like, I think that it's just even more relevant in this fact of like, we, um, they're, they're, it portrays things in such a light where there's not like a cartoony villain to it, where there's individuals that actually have real motives and a real like backstory and like why they, like it makes sense why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just like, I'm a human, I hate the environment, I'm gonna burn it all down kind of thing, which we talked a little bit about, which I think lends to the whole entire reason why the movie is, holds up so well. Um, And it's just, it's not like beating you over the head, I think, with this kind of stuff. Like you gotta, like when you watch it, you kind of go through and you kind of develop. It takes like sometimes, I mean, it takes, I've watched it a bunch of times and I think that there's still probably things that I could actually learn or things that I missed too from it. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was so like I said, I fell as when I was twelve, and there was definitely a lot of stuff I did not appreciate at the time because I was twelve. Uh, and what, rewatching it again, it's like things. It's almost like I watched it for the first time. You know, there's things that I certainly did not pick up on, and things I really appreciated again. And it's relevant. This this the theme of, of nature and industrialization. It's still relevant. So, one uh, one last note I have uh, before we wrap this one up is that. Uh, when it was purchased uh, in the United States, so uh, the company Miramax Films, mm. they well, Disney, but the subsidiary Miramax Films uh, was assigned to release the movie. And the chairman of Miramax at the time uh, was going to cut the film down. He's going to edit it down from its runtime of 135 minutes, there's like two hours, to 90 minutes. And what what Miyazaki did was he mailed them a katana and said, no cuts. <laughs> I actually, I never knew that, actually. I've never heard that before. Yeah. And the chairman, the chairman who wanted to do that was Harvey Weinstein. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> like, yeah. So, fuck I mean, him. Fuck him for very much other reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's. Well, uh, there. I, I will say, right, so I think that it's actually kind of interesting when you look at it in the sense of how Miramax Films mentioned it versus, uh, like, they featured, like, the poster versus how, uh, like, other countries did, or, like, Japan's exclusively, right, specifically, um, where they, the the Japanese poster features San, right, the uh, yeah. the Miramax in the United States poster features Ashitaka on really? the front of it. Yeah, Maybe, I, mean, I know. I know. San is not the princess titled in Princess Mononoke. Um, no, she is. Oh, she is. Okay, because yeah. I know Mononoke is not like a name. It's kind of a like a spirit or something. So, so the movie is called Princess Mononoke, and the Japanese poster is the one I'm looking at right now. It's got San with blood on her face and mm-hmm. the wolf behind her. Uh, what? Why would they? I mean, I, I know why because it's the '90s, and you know you have to be male. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like okay, the movie's called Princess Mononoke, and you're gonna have Ajitaka be in front. Okay. <laughs> and I think I think it's because they kind of view it from the lens of that he is this really in like he is he's a very important character. It's the '90s, right? Like we kind of yeah. go over that. Um, but San. San is, and this is just getting, I think, a little bit more into um, some of the thematics and the kind of imagery of the movie. And I will say I do not 100% understand all of the folklore in this movie because Miyazaki heavily draws from um, Japanese folklore. Yeah. Right? Um, So I don't necessarily understand all of it. I know that some of it is historically based. Some of it is original stories. Some of it is folklore, right? Like I know that the general story of the movie is it comes from Miyazaki. Like it's an original story. Um, with that being said, one of the big things is, as you mentioned it, like Mononoke pretty much means a vengeful or like spirit or spirits or things along those lines, right? Um, that is who she is. That's what she represents. And one of the things that goes along with that is, is that's what she represents the humans. So when the humans see her, right, 
they kind of view her as all of this unknown and all of these vengeful, vengeful spirits of the forest, right? And if you kind of go back and tie it more into the imagery, the mask that she wears, which is an amazing, it's like this red mask that has um, um, uh, uh, like kind of yellow and all this other kind of stuff on it too. It's a really beautifully designed um, uh, piece of artwork in the movie itself. That's actually from ancient uh, Japanese folklore of these like idols that they used to have, or like actual history, where they used to have these idols um, that they would use for like uh, spiritualistic reasons um, and rituals and things. And that's the mask that she wears. So she's like this embodiment in the movie of how the humans see all these vengeful spirits and the forest itself and kind of everything that's out there that they don't understand is attacking them. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I, I knew, but I didn't know, you know, um, nice. there, there's just a lot, like yeah, there's a lot that you can kind of unpack in the movie. And I just like, it, it takes a little bit in like digging. I think there's a lot of, there's some digging and stuff that truly appreciate kind of every like thing that goes on it's, um, in the movie itself. Oh yeah, there's. I wrote down too. Like, I wish I knew more Japanese history mm-hmm. because this is rich with it. Um, cool. So, uh, do you have any more concluding thoughts? And if you were to rate this out of ten, what would you give it? Uh, I am biased. Um, it is. Uh, I. I would say that I think that it is. Even if you don't like anime, it's something that you should watch. It's yeah. something that you should delve into. It's something that, because I think that anybody can appreciate the movie, right? Um, I think it's super relevant. I think the themes hold up really well. It's beautifully designed. The art's beautiful. Um, the characters are interesting. The music's fantastic. Um, it's just really an engrossing two-hour experience. Like It's like very, you're kind of connected the whole entire time to it. Um, so I would just say, I think everybody should watch it. I think it's something that can kind of bridge a lot of genre gaps. Um, I think personally, I probably give it like a 9.5. All right. I like, like 9.5 or a 10. I think it's fucking perfect. I mean, I, it is probably one of my favorite movies that I've never watched in my life. Uh, and it's like the first, and I think that a lot of this is kind of biased for myself. Um, it is the first, it's like really the first anime I ever watched that got me into Miyazaki movies. Oh yeah. So. Same. Like I, I told you that month of Miyazaki, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but that's what got me into them as well. Uh, so, you know, I personally, nine out of 10 for me, I, I, like I said, I, I wish I knew more about Japanese folklore and history because then mm-hmm. I know I would appreciate it more. But uh, the art, the art style is fantastic. The themes are fantastic and relevant. I, you know, the voice acting, I like I said, this is just re- recapping it. It's all fantastic. Um, if you are on the fence or kind of are just rejecting it because it's an anime movie, I would say give it a shot anyway. It's a good, good, good movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, solid. Uh, so the next movie is the one that I had suggested called Baby Driver. Uh, now, before I jump into the intro, I want to mention that we will talk um, talk a little bit on the uh, the actors, some of the actors, like Kevin Spacey. We all know Kevin Spacey has been accused of sexual assault very credibly, and we're going to talk about it. So, um, just briefly, uh, not I'm sorry, we're going to talk about it within context of this movie. So, don't worry. Anyway, this movie, Baby Driver, it is from 2017. Uh, directed by Edgar Wright, you know, the guy who directed Shaun of the Dead and uh, Scott Pilgrim, those fun, fantastic films. Uh, Baby Driver is about a getaway driver named Baby, who is really good at his job, but he's also kind of uh, in debt to Kevin Spacey's character. And so in order to pay off his debt, he does uh, jobs where he serves as the getaway driver for like bank robberies or post office robberies. And so Baby has to fight that with also his love interest, Deborah, who he meets and uh, tries to separate Deborah from his 
a job as a getaway driver. And so then the movie kind of unfolds uh, from there. Now, the main draw with this film is the soundtrack because Edgar Wright timed every scene to the music in the movie. And that is uh, awesome. It is really cool how they edited and did the sound design for this film uh, in regards to the soundtrack. Um, I guess I'll start off here. Jeff, yeah. did you like Baby Driver? I, I did, actually. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to admit that like I have not... I've not watched it until recently because of this. I prop like I thank you for picking this movie. I heard really good things about it. I know that you've kind of, we've talked about it before off the podcast. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really really enjoyed it. Like it's yeah. just a fun. It's a fun. It's a fun kind of action comedy movie for me. Yeah. Oh, the, the jokes are great. Uh, my favorite joke in the whole movie is early on. Uh, actually, when Kevin Spacey's character is describing Baby to, I think it's John Bernthal's character, mm. Griff, when he's describing Griff to, uh, well, when he's describing Baby to Griff, and Griff, he smacks Baby's sunglasses off his face. So then Baby reaches in his pocket and pulls out another pair of sunglasses and puts them on. And then Griff <laughs> grabs that pair, puts them on, and then Baby reaches into his other pocket and pulls on another, puts on another pair of sunglasses. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah. 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 I think, I think honestly, I mean, besides like the, like we obviously, like you said, like a big thing with the movie itself is the, um, the timing, right. Of all yeah. the, the soundtrack to everything. The, um, one of the things I loved about the movie is that because baby doesn't really talk much, right. In the sense, um, yeah. like he, you know, he's kind of, they kind of make jokes about him. Like, oh, is, is he a mute or what? Right. In the beginning of the movie. Um, a lot of like the big kind of lines he has in these pivotal moments are legitimately just taken from TV shows that he watched. Yes, correct. In movies like Monsters Inc. and The Little Rascals. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like uh, one note that I'm going to get into, um, but yeah. So to explain, Baby, which is who's played by Ansel Elgort, yes. uh, he, uh, has tinnitus. The character Baby has tinnitus, so he has to listen to music to stop the ringing in his ears. So literally everything he does uh, is to music. There's a scene when they're robbing a, I think it was robbing a bank or an armored truck and baby starts the music, but then it doesn't start the, the, the robbery doesn't start first. So baby's like, wait, 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 I have to restart this. Hold on. And then starts the music again. And then there's another scene where baby is fleeing from the police and he, he you know, commandeers a car and he has to turn on the radio and get the music just right before he can start driving the car away. Yeah. Um, as nifty and the music itself uh, is good <laughs> really good i mean it's from like the 60s and 70s I, I think like some so you have like the harlem shuffle um radar love is another one that i, mm-hmm. I remember off the top of my head uh there's some queen i know that queen is in there too as well right and rock yeah that's yeah. The, uh another one um egyptian reggae music i think is another song it's it's mm. really good uh, in fact, one of the two, my two favorite scenes in the movie is the, after the initial car chase, when baby is going to go get coffee, he's like kind of walking down the street and they're playing Harlem shuffle and mm. every little thing in that scene is timed to that song. It's fantastic. Everything in the background, foreground, what baby's doing, what other characters are doing, everything. I mean, when he's ordering coffee, uh, the bell rings, ding, ding, ding to the song. That's playing. It's it's fantastic. When when that song when that song is on, right? Like I think that one of the thing, like when I first watched it, um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, like I kind of noticed that like every little thing is timed, right? And about halfway through, I'm like, shit, wait a sec. Um, the, the, some of the lyrics are like written down. Yeah, like, it's like, on it's the like, walls and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's like it's, spray painting graffiti, and it's the words of the song. It's yeah. And it's just, it's just, I, I agree. Like, I think that that's like, that's a really good scene to it um, as well. I think uh, like one of the, one of the, uh, I think it's, I think it's like the last scene, like the last big, like kind of uh, bank heist that they do at the end of it. It's literally every single gunshot is like completely timed up with the beat of the music. Yep. And it's just beautifully done. Oh yeah. Beautifully I- done. 
I was going to say another my another favorite scene of mine is uh, when they go to an arms dealer and tequila is playing mm. and every shot every explosion is timed tequila. So um, the reason how they did that, I think I read this somewhere, uh, was Edgar Wright had all of the actors have um, earpieces in, and so when they were listening to this song as they were acting it out, so they knew when to to kind of hit these these right beats uh, for everything. And that's, you know, obviously must not have been an easy thing to do. So. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I, I didn't know that about it. And it's, I, I think that, uh, that, that, that must be hard. Yeah. Like, that must be super hard to do as a, uh, uh, actor or actress. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, I think for myself, like one of the big things that I kind of like, and this is just Edgar Wright in general, right? Because like Shaun of the Dead, um, and because of, uh, 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 Scott Pilgrim too. Sorry, I was blanking there a little bit. I just love the the quirky, not kind of over the top, not so like it doesn't. His movies don't take themselves so seriously in a lot of ways. Kind of sense of humor that they have to them, where it is legitimately a good. It's just a good ride to be yeah. on. Like it was a good hour and like fifty minutes of just you know really really well done cinematography um uh, directing acting too as well um that shouldn't be taken so seriously um that you can just kind of sit back and enjoy it kind of reminds me of a movie that like i feel like i could watch it just to kind of like relax and kind of enjoy something and kind of like decompress oh yeah and so i agree it is and i think it does that plays that role really well but you can also, if you wanted to kind of sit there and focus, hyper-analyze everything, you'll get a lot out of it too, just because of the way the scenes are timed to the music and kind of just going off that. So if you wanted to chill and just relax and enjoy it and listen to good music while you know car chases are happening, perfect. It's a great movie to do that. But if you want to kind of watch every little minutia of this film get timed out for every song, uh, you you will find a lot. So, uh, yeah, I mean that, but like, like I think that's um, in in. I will say, um, like the acting across the board, I think is very good um, in the movie itself uh, as well. And I think that there is, from like, if I'm not mistaken, there is quite a bit of like foreshadowing in the movie. Oh yeah, that's one of my well. There's a ton. Um, especially like the one that I noticed was, is, is that when, um, baby is, I, I don't remember exactly, I can't remember exactly what scene it is. I think it's the second heist that he's on and he's playing with the car. Yep. Right. And he rolls it back and then it goes off the end. Right. And then buddy who's played by, uh, John Hamm, I think, is that who yeah. he's played by? Right. That's like, that, that happens at the end. Like he's in a police car and they're kind of going on this clash together. Right. And baby kind of pushes him over the that, that car over the edge. Yep. Yeah. So he, baby's playing with a little toy car, and he like drives it off the, the edge of the table, and it falls on the ground. And in the climax of the movie, um, John Hamm uh, drives a police car over over. Well, a police car falls off the edge of a um, parking garage. At yeah. Level. So perfect. Yeah, that's one of the foreshadowings. Another one is when baby's flipping through the TV ch- show TV channels. Mm. And they give they deliver the line for Monsters Inc., which Baby uses later on on Kevin Spacey. The, uh, the like we're, we're partners or whatever it is. And then there's also he flips to uh, uh, like a bull competition or whatever, and the the announcer says like um, the bull rider. Uh, I don't know what they're called. I can't remember off the top of my Matadors. head. Matadors. The Matador, yeah, the Matador yeah. eggs on the bull until the bull sees red and then will charge. And at the end, in the climax, John Hamm is like bathed in red light the whole time, and then you know charges that baby in his car. So it's 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 uh, a little more foreshadowing there. So yeah, I didn't even I didn't even notice that one to yeah. be honest. Um, I also liked the uh, red herring of Griff, John Bernthal's character. He's in the first heist, uh, his first heist in the opening credits or, or before the opening credits. And then after they get their money, he says, if you don't see me, then that means I'm dead. And he walks <laughs> off. I'm like, oh, I guess that he's going to be a major character. I think like, 
no, he's just a red herring. He never shows up in the movie again. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was like, when I first watched it, I, I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, like, obviously, John Berthold, uh, pretty, you know, recognizable actor, pretty big, obviously, in um, Walking Dead, the Punisher series, a bunch of yeah. other things, too, as well. Um, and when he said that, I kind of had the same thought to it as well. And I'm like, oh, wait, he's not in this anymore. Like, I, I guess he died. Like, I guess he's dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I, I, I think, um, uh, how did, I, I, I guess I'm wondering a little bit, like, because I think that one of the criticisms that people may have is the, the story of it, too, as well. Um, I think that it was pretty good. I think that it's obviously not the focal point of it. Um, yeah. In that sense. Uh, but I think that it, it holds up. Like, I think that it's something that's, you know, it's good enough. Like, it kind of gets the, the point across. It's coherent enough. Um, uh, too as well so yeah so Edgar Wright wrote the script around the music so he made a playlist of these songs oh. and then kind of wrote the script around it and then uh, Baby Driver is a song by um, uh, Garfunkel I think no 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 um, not uh, Hall and Oates excuse me it's a yeah. Baby Driver is a song by Hall and Oates and so that's kind of where he got the inspiration from that from it so it's so the, i agree with you that the plot is a little forced it's not it's mm. not like it's contrived or doesn't make sense or anything it's very simple i mean baby wants to stop driving cars for the bad guys and then bad guys get mad uh but you know there is a twist that john ham is the bad guy you know it's not like he started off as the bad guy but just kind of became it uh, mm. Yeah, you know, I, I agree that the story is not like it's not the main part of this movie. It's the action and the music timed up to it, and it's just really good. It's a really good action uh, comedy movie. So I will say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I, like, I think that that's and that's kind of what you need to go into with the movie. You have to have that expectation that you're not going to, which is fine, right? Like, you're not going to get some brilliantly written. Kind of like we just talked, we, we talked about Princess Mononoke and stuff like that, and like all the intricacies and everything else with the storyline of that movie. Um, like that, not every single movie has to be like that to be a yeah. good movie. Oh, yeah, like, agreed. Um, I will say that the Lily James playing the love interest Deborah, I thought she was fantastic. So, yeah. sec second appearance of Lily James on this podcast, first was Mamma Mia 2. So, you know, she's a recurring actress. Oh, uh, she she friend of the pod now? Friend, yeah, friend actress of the pod. You know, favorite <laughs> actress of the pod. Really Um, but yeah, she's fantastic in this movie. Like she's a she's British, but she has a, a nice like Georgia Southern accent. Because this movie takes place in Atlanta. So she has a nice southern accent in Georgia and you know she was great. Uh, really good. Um, and John Hamm was the other actor I thought was uh, fantastic. You know, because he starts yeah. off kind of just there, running jobs. He doesn't, like, hate Baby. In fact, he almost kind of likes Baby. And then just events unfold, and he kind of goes a little mad, uh, which is great. Great watching it happen, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that, descent, that descent into uh, anger and madness and stuff yep. that happens to his character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I liked uh, my second favorite. Another joke I liked was uh, when... Kevin Spacey's character says, "Don't quote Monsters Inc. at me." <laughs> I wish I remember the actual specific quote, but it was like <laughs> it was out of nowhere. He's like, "I know I heard that. I know I heard that from somewhere." And Sam watches that movie all the time. Yeah. Who I don't know what Sam's relation to Kevin Spacey's character is. His character, and he's like a kid that yeah. um, they kind of use, I guess, to be maybe like you, maybe, but. Yeah, like a nephew or something along those lines. Uh, that was that was a really good, uh, like kind of just breaking the tension. I think a little bit kind of yeah. joke in that. Yeah. And then last last note before we talk about um, the other thing I wanted to talk about this movie um, is uh, the uh, butcher, which was the arms dealer. I thought that was mm. just nifty. How they he you know presented like a butcher shop and every gun was a, a cut of pork, so he's like and here you have the jowls and the you know the loin and it's like a shotgun grenades you know like 
that's nifty. That's it's a little uh, campy, and I think campy is a good way. Yeah, a little ham-fisted, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I th- but I think that that's kind of just the general overall kind of feeling of the movie and stuff is it's campy, it's fun. Like there's a little campiness in it. There, you know. Um, but it's just a fun overall movie, I think, to watch. Actually, but bef- so before we continue on, my last question is. Is this a musical? I don't think so. Yeah, like none of the no. characters are singing themselves, but since everything's timed to the music, yeah. and choreographed that way, I'm like, hmm, is this technically a musical? It's like a, it's like a pseudo musical. It's like yeah. one half of one. Like if the, if you actually have the characters singing, then I think that it's a full fledged musical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. All right, so. Uh, the big, the big part of this is um, the what I wanted to discuss about this too, and kind of why I picked it. Uh, other than it being kind of an entertaining movie, is are you able to separate the art from the artist? And by what I mean by that is you can watch this movie and enjoy it, but um, and this is just a posed general question. Obviously, you have Kevin Spacey, who uh, you know has been credibly accused of. Uh, sexual assault on several people. Uh, Ansel Elgort, who plays Baby, he's recently been accused of sexual assault uh, uh, against, uh, uh, I think she was a minor, I don't know. And Jamie Foxx, also in the past, has been accused of sexual assault. So you have three three of the main actors in this movie, all, all to various degrees and various credibilities, been agree, uh, accused of sexual assault. So are you, um, and I mean this royal, the royal you, like separating the art from the artist? Is the, does that does that diminish this movie to you at all, Jeff? Um, so I just want to start by saying that I think that in the broader context of all of this, um, I think it really does depend on the individual. Yeah. Um, and individual, the, individual watching or the individual the, accused? The, the individual that's watching. Okay, okay. Right. So like if we're talking about separating the art from the artist, I completely understand why certain people would not listen to certain music or they won't watch certain movies anymore or they won't read certain writers or whatnot. Like I like that's I I understand that. Right. Um, I think for myself. I enjoyed the movie, but there's like this weird stain there's just like a stain on it. I feel like now that you need to actually kind of approach and understand when you watch it, yeah. which I think does diminish the movie a little bit. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I think that it's possible to separate the art from the artist. I mean, I listen to quite a bit of music. I enjoy a lot of music from artists that um, have done really shitty things in their life. Right. Um, I can still enjoy the music um, to it. But I think that you need to actually kind of recognize the things that happened. Um, and I think for myself, yeah, I, I do. I It's, you know, seeing Kevin Spacey, it kind of wrote, like it, it kind of takes me out of the movie a little bit. Yeah. Right. Because I see him and I'm like, this motherfucker. Yeah. Right. Like, and then it kind of, I remember things that he did and I understand, like, because I, you know, that understanding of everything that he did comes back. Um, so yeah, I do. I think that it did diminish the the enjoyment that I had of this movie. Um, you know, a little bit to a decent amount, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine and totally appropriate. It did for me as well. Uh, you know, that that what you mentioned that stain on the film is there. It's uncomfortable, uh, and it's uncomfortable because of what. Kevin Spacey did what Ansel Elgort allegedly did, what Jamie Foxx allegedly did, um, incredibly, I should say, uh, again. Um, so I think just within the context of films and movies, uh, especially this one, like this is uh, an Edgar Wright film. It's Edgar Wright's, you know, he wrote the script, did, you know, the majority of the editing and is his vision. And there are actors in it that were, uh, did shitty things to put, you know, to, to use that term there. So I think I can enjoy this as an Edgar Wright film, but watching it, it's 
hard to not, you know, think of what Kevin Spacey did and remember that he's a piece of shit, <laughs> you know, yeah. how that all kind of played out. So, yeah, I don't have an answer, an easy answer for that, you know, separating art from the artist. And should we refuse to watch all of these movies with actors that, and actresses or actors mainly that have done shitty things? Um, I don't know if there's an easy question answer to that question. Uh, I enjoyed this movie, but it's obvious to you, you can't not think of that. It's like I, I don't think I could watch House of Cards again, though, for example, because oh that yeah, more you know, it's just it's it's the context of the person watching, and I think the context of the art produced, so the movie versus you know Kevin Spacey vehicle uh, vehicle is in like the Kevin Spacey main he's a main character you know it's mm. it's all I, kind of, I and yeah yeah go ahead i would i agree i mean i think that like i was not like american beauty is a real a movie that i really liked when i was you know in my early 20s like mid-20s and stuff like that i haven't watched it since yeah um just because i think of the context of it too as well with that movie and it's like I don't know. It, it, it kind of, um, it's just kind of creepy. I yeah. feel like to watch, like to watch it. And like, I can kind of understand the house of cards too, as well. I think, I think that and you're right. Like, I don't think that there is, um, this like unifying answer, I guess, um, yeah. about separating an art from an artist. I think it genuinely depends on the individual. And what an individual is willing to kind of where they're willing to like what their thoughts on it, where they're willing to draw the line on this stuff, like what like whatever it may be. Um uh but I like I I I I do I do think that it like it even if even if you can separate the art from the artist, um and even if it's like an Edgar Wright film, you can have the understanding that like it's his vision, it's his movie, it's what he wanted to do, which like I, you can appreciate, right? You can appreciate the artistry and everything else that he did, especially with the editing yeah, and the timing of everything. Um, yeah, so the, the, the aspects of this movie that Kevin Spacey had no part of, and Ansel yeah. Elgort had no part of, like, it's not like they were the ones editing the film, so you can appreciate and think that's fantastic, which I do. So, but when you, when you, if you look at it, something like Louis C.K. stand-up, like I'll never watch that again. I'll never recommend it to anybody. Like it's, since that's exclusively produced and done by Louis C.K., all aspects of that art uh, is from Louis C.K. Whereas this movie, at least we can look at it and enjoy the aspects of the film that aren't Kevin Spacey or Jamie Foxx or Ansel Elgort. So, that's what I think about it. Now, that's not to say that I, it doesn't make me, you know, recognize and think about the problematic and really shitty stuff that these guys have done. So don't, nobody listening, take take that either. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, 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 I get what you're saying um, with it. I think, um, like I said, it, it's it's something that I would not. If somebody was like, I just won't, will not watch that movie. Fine. I, I, like, I, I understand. Like, I completely yeah. understand um, in that sense. There's, like, I kind of bring it to, I bring a lot of this stuff, I think, to, like, the musical realm. So I'm very, like, I like music quite a bit. Um, anybody that actually knows me knows that I just really enjoy music, a bunch of different kinds. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie, like, they're, like, Kanye West is kind of a shitty person. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like some Kanye West. Brand new as a band, the lead singer Jesse is fucking horrible. Brand new's not like I like the music of Brand New, right? And like I just I think that at at a, at a point it's just what an individual where an individual goes with it. Um I think it does diminish the art in a sense. I think personally I can separate certain things. But I think that there's just different levels to it. Um, uh, and yeah, like I, I would be lying if I sat, sat there and said that it didn't diminish the movie at all. Oh, yeah. oh exactly. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think you'd be uh, a, a stone, right? You'd have no emotion if you weren't able to kind of recognize and think about that while watching this movie or any anything similar. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so do you have anything more to say on that specific subject about uh, art and artists and kind of how that works? Um, yeah, you know, just... Fuck people that kind of do that shit, I guess. Like, fuck, I mean, fuck no, <laughs> like, you know, we're going to take here. This is a, you know, anti sexual assault podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that's about it, right? Like, I think that it's, I think that it's, you know, kind of the point across is like, fuck Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Like, Jamie Foxx. Fuck Ansel Elgort in that sense, too, yeah. as well. Like, yeah. But I think that there is a, um, I, you know, um, I think it depends on the, like I said, depends on the individual, depends on, um, you know, if you can separate it or not, or if you want to. And I think both are valid in that sense. Like, yeah. but that's, that's the last thought I have. Yeah. Solid. Any, uh, so overall with the movie, do you have any more, any closing thoughts or, and what would you give this out of uh, 10? If you, uh, want, uh, with that context involved, if you do not, I, it's okay. Um, I think, I think overall, I would say, I think it's a good, it's a well-directed, well-edited, well, like, you know, kind of creative movie. I think that a lot of the cinematography is really good in it. I think that the acting is, like we mentioned too as well. Um, I don't remember the actress that plays uh, Deborah um, in it specifically. Lily James. Lily James, yep. Um, John Hamm, I think, is really good too, as well. Um, and it, like we said, I think the acting's good. Um, I think it's a fun watch. Um, but like I said, kind of about everything else, like this, there's like this stain on the movie, I think, because of the actors that are in it, and because there's multiple that are in it. Um, that diminished it diminished my appreciate like enjoyment of the movie, but I still really enjoyed. The cinematography, I still really enjoyed um, the uh, the uh, the overall direction, I think, of the movie and the kind of creative vision that Edgar Wright had. Yeah. So if I was going to rate it, I would say, like, I would probably, I would rate it higher if not all of this other kind of stuff happened. But I would oh, yeah. say probably, like, I think for myself, like, it was a good, like, 6.57 for me, like it was a good, like kind of, you know, movie that I could watch that I think that I really enjoyed um, for those cinematic, uh, that cinematic vision that it had. Yeah, I completely agree. I have nothing else to add uh, because you just summed it up perfectly. Um, you know, when I first saw this, I loved it. I loved the movie when it first came out in 2017. I saw it twice in theaters. I was super jazzed about it. Um, and uh, over time, it's just, with all the context, it's, you know, gone down a bit. So, uh, six, six and a half, like, I can't recommend it to people be with, because of the context mm -hmm. there. Um, but like, if you are able to separate that out, watch it, you know what I mean? So that's kind of that. Um, it's a good point. Solid. Um, yeah. so that's it for the two films we watched. Um, Jeff, uh, what have you been up to? You've been watching any movies, TV, playing any video games lately? Uh, well, because I'm moving, I haven't been able to really play as many video games. I was playing a shit ton of Animal Crossing before, though. Um, uh, movies, TV, not too much. Um, I, we, Abby, um, my partner, and I, um, we've been watching. Uh, we've been watching Avatar: The Last Airbender again. Uh, that was gonna be mine. Um, Lady Lady Kiyoshi, Avatar Kiyoshi is a fucking badass. And I just will say this as somebody who has been involved in the protests, involved in this this movement that we have right now too as well. Um shout out, go listen to Alcoholitics. Uh, oh, yeah. uh uh the the when Avatar when Aang is uh talking to Kiyoshi and or when he's seeking guidance from the past avatars in his past lives, and she says, "Well, only justice will bring peace." Damn fucking right. Um, 
and then just generally reading. I've just been trying to read a lot more too as well. Um, currently, currently reading uh, "Freedom Is a Constant Struggle" by Angela Davis. I Ooh. I suggest everybody to read um, some Angela Davis, especially if you are interested in the movement of defunding the police um, force, and then a little bit of the like. If you're in, interested about understanding more of the abolitionist message, message as well. Oh. Cool. Yeah. So I'll plug it too for you as well, Jeff. Will on uh, Terrain's podcast called Alcoholics. Terrain is a frequent guest and friend of this podcast. So, you know, check out Jeff's episode and every episode of Alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you stole my thunder a little bit. I, you know, re-watching Avatar as well because I came out on Netflix. And, you know, we, you know this, uh, Jeff, but, you know, it, it still holds up. It's still fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. amazing. I amazing. also got The Last of Us Part Two, which is, fantastic i fucking love it so you know is it really oh yeah oh yeah i've heard mixed things about it i think and i don't want to get too much into this but i think people are just they don't like where the story is going because they expect it to expect it to go somewhere else Mm. i call this like star wars fan syndrome where they'll just hate anything because it's not what they wanted so um it's a good game i think the the story is good the gameplay is really good. It's better than the first, uh, if you have oh. first. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Really great game. First I'll one. Box for that. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for watching and discussing these movies with me, uh, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Good luck in uh, the future protesting and, you know, setting up your apartment. Uh, you know, good luck and thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, bud. <laughs> Bye.